So over the last few weeks, uh, we've been in this series called Kingdom Rhythms. And in this series, we've been learning and discovering uh, about these things called spiritual disciplines or kingdom rhythms, if you will. We're discovering how these kingdom rhythms should be a part of our everyday lives as disciples of Christ. Amen. And so over the last few weeks, just, just want to give you a quick review. If it's, been a few de- it's been a few weeks. We've had Snowmageddon, right? We've had spring break. And so I know some of you are going, man, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, let alone where we started uh, when we started this series. The very first week we talked about the rhythm of giving and generosity and how we don't give because we have to, but we give because we get to. We give out of the overflow of our hearts and all that has already been given to us. And so we as disciples should have this rhythm in our life of uh, giving, that it's better to give than to receive. The next week we talked about this thing called fasting, how you and I as disciples of Jesus should uh, develop this healthy rhythm in our life of fasting where we say no to some lesser things in order that we might say yes to some greater things, meaning our time and our intimacy and our relationship with the Lord, seeking His face. And then last week, if you were around, uh, we talked about, Pastor Matt and Pastor Todd talked about how not to pray. And so you guys, if you were here, you remember they talked a little bit about, hey, when you pray, don't pray like this, right? Don't pray like the, the Pharisees and the religious people or the Gentiles, the non-religious people, how they, they think that their many words and all the things that they're saying and doing are going to make them more, uh, make them heard or make them more acceptable to God. And so today we're talking about how we should pray. So we talked about how not to pray. Today we're talking about how we should pray. Can we just be honest for a moment? I mean, we are in church, right? But let's be honest, we have some real issues when it comes to to prayer, when it comes to praying. Let me give you a couple of these examples. We say some of the strangest and and weirdest things. We say things that don't make sense when we pray. We repeat phrases in God's name and the word just over and over and over. Father God, I just want to thank you. Father God, I just want to ask you. Father God, I just want to tell you. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? Come on, y'all. Somebody just popped in your head. And if not, then I'm sorry, but it's probably you, right? So you, you've heard those prayers before where you're like, man, they, they repeat themselves over and over and over again. And they use God's name over and over and over again. And he's probably up there like, yeah, I am your father. I got it. We're good. Okay, move on, move on. You don't have to keep repeating yourself. Uh, and sometimes you, you can relate to that because even your kids do that. Dad, 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 dad. It's like, hey, I heard you the first time. We're good. Amen? And so going along, what about the person in your life group? You know, this is the person I call the, the prayer lecturer. So here's what that looks like. They're kind of praying, but more lecturing everybody in the room and gossiping about others while they do it. Y'all don't know anybody that does that. Y'all don't know those prayer lecturers. Y'all don't have any of those people up here in Gilmer, do you? The prayer lecturer, they lecture and try to teach and gossip at the same time. It's, it's pretty talented how they're able to do that. What about those of you uh, that know someone? Maybe, maybe you have this person in your life group as well. I call it preach praying. 
They're, they're, they're preaching a message while they're praying, and it might go something like this. Dear God, I just want to lift up John to you right now, John and his girlfriend. God, I can sense that they're struggling with purity. And God, I, I, your word tells us that we should be pure in heart. And God, I, I just sense that they're really struggling with this purity thing right now. And so God, every time I look at them, I see lust in their eyes. And so God, I'm asking you to right now just pre prevent them, keep them from falling into that temptation. God, please be with John. Lord, help them. Y'all don't know any preach prayers, do you? John Chris says this, he says, do you ever have someone in your life group ask you to pray for something that is just so dumb that you think, uh, I'm not praying for that. I don't even know how I would pray for that. That's so dumb. I don't even know if we can pray for that. Y'all have never had any prayer requests like that. So as you can see, just from those few examples, we all need help when it comes to prayer we need all the help we can get. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Luke chapter 11. That's the first verse we're going to look at this morning. And I don't know about you, but I sure am grateful that Jesus did not just leave us on our own when it comes to prayer. I'm grateful that we have the Bible, the Word of God, where we can go to and we can look and go, okay, I've heard how not to pray. God, I don't want to be the prayer gossiper, the prayer lecturer, or the other crazy person, or make up some new way of praying. But God, I want to be grounded in truth. God, I want to be uh, doing these things the right way. And so I'm grateful that the New Testament, the Bible, gives us these stories and these examples from the master teacher himself, where Jesus says, hey, this is how then you should pray. Luke 11.1 1 says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now here's what I know. The disciples have been hanging with Jesus for a while at this point, and they have seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. They've seen Jesus uh, take a boy's sack lunch and feed 5,000 people with it. They've seen Jesus reach down and scoop up some dirt and spit in it and make a little mud paste and smear it on a blind man's eyes and restore his sight. They've seen Jesus raise the dead. They've seen, they've seen Jesus do some incredible things. They've seen Jesus and heard Jesus preach and teach some of the most amazing and creative and powerful sermons that they had ever heard. But here's what's crazy about all of that. If you look all through the scriptures, if you look all through the Bible, never once did the disciples say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you please teach us how to take the sack lunch and feed 5,000 people? Never once did they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you show us what you did with the dirt? Like, how did you do that? Did you swirl it this way or that way? How, did, how much spit goes in there? How much do we do? Can you teach me how to create that miracle mud pie that you pasted on that dude's eyes? Never once did they come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, man, I've never heard anyone preach the way you preach. Can you teach me to preach like you preach? Never once did the disciples do any of those things. But don't miss this, church. When they saw him pray, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, I don't know what they saw. 
But you can only imagine it must have been something special. The fact that they saw these miracles and they never asked him, how can we do that? The fact that they saw and heard him preach, but they never said, teach us to preach like that. But the fact that they would see Jesus as a normal part of his everyday rhythm, spending time in prayer with the Father. And when he would return, they would go, man, I I don't have that. There's something in my life that's missing. I'm not worried about the miracles. I'm not worried about all all this great as those are. Man, I want to know how to do that. I want to know how to talk to the Father like that. I want to know how to pray. It was something special. Jesus connecting with his Father through prayer. It was relational. It was intimate. It was a holy conversation between the Father and the Son. And so they asked him, Lord, can you teach us to pray like you? Matthew 6 is where our main text is at this morning. So flip on back from Luke if you're still there to Matthew chapter 6. This is where we've been camping out this whole series in this Kingdom Rhythms series. If you remember, this is we're picking up right where we left off last week. Pastor Matt was sharing with you how not to pray in the verses just above this. So hopefully you still have it marked and highlighted and lots of notes in there uh, because you guys are good Southern Baptists like that, right? So Matthew 6, starting in verse 9 uh, this is going to be a very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, most of you probably could say it by memory. But here's what Jesus said. He told them, hey, don't pray like the Gentiles. Don't pray like those people. But when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now I'm sure as I read those words, many of you, like I said, could have quoted those verses from memory, right? You you, you think you got it? All right, close your Bibles. We're going to have a little experiment right here. We're going to try this. I didn't do this at 8 o'clock, but so y'all are my guinea pigs. Here we go. Don't, don't look at the screens. Here we go. Pray then like this. Our who? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. So I'm not alone. You all show like, is it trespasses or debts? <laughs> and who, who mixed those up? Where did that even come into play, right? Like, how did we get there? But, and I, as a teenager, listen, I know uh, what's crazy about this is that most people, listen to me, church, even non-believers have that scripture and that prayer memorized. I know that's true because as a teenager, I was not a Christian and I could have said that word for word. And I would have done the same thing you just did. Is it debts or trespasses? And what's the difference? And why, why, what are we? And so I, I, we can say the Lord's Prayer by memory in about 17 seconds if, you're, if you've had a cup of coffee and you're awake, right? Y'all were lagging a little bit behind. 
And here's what, if you were in my high school locker room, we could have said that bad boy in about 12 seconds flat when the coach said, take a knee. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We would go through it so fast that I remember as a teenager and as a non-believer going, what is that and why are we doing it? And how did that become part of our pre-game rally cry? Any of you have coaches like that? I mean, we pray that prayer all the time in the locker rooms and before all of these different circumstances and situations, when people, non-believers get themselves in a bind, that's something that pops in their head. Is, oh, oh, our Father, right? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we know it, we pray it, and we've got it memorized. And sadly, we have taken those beautiful words of Jesus in Matthew 6 and tragically made them into something that they were never intended to be. I mean, think about it. How did that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples become the locker room pregame speech? I don't know. So if, if we've hijacked it, if we've messed it up, what is it and how should we pray it? Notice what Jesus says right at the very beginning of that text. If you've got your pen or highlighter, I would highlight this word, circle this. You ready? Pray then like this. Highlight, circle, underline that. I don't know what translation of Bible you have. But in the ESV, it says pray then like this. Not pray these words as a prayer. Not memorize this and quote it and let this be the only prayer you ever pray. Not word for word. There's no magical formula here. Jesus wasn't giving the disciples a secret heavenly code to unlock the combination of heaven that would unleash God's blessing and favor on their lives. He was giving them a pattern for prayer. The Lord's Prayer was never intended to be prayed as a prayer word for word, but rather it was given by Jesus to the disciples and to us as a prayer pattern or a prayer guide. How many of you, if you're like me, love it when the teacher gives you a guide? If you're like, okay, I, I, that's an outline, I can follow that. I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, right? Some of you Gilmer people better say amen to that. <laughs> and this West Texas Odessa boy is saying amen with you. I may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I can follow a guide. I can follow an outline if you just give it to me and say, do this. Just follow this. Let this guide you. Let this direct you. Let this be the directions that you follow as you hit your knees. This should be the framework that shapes your prayers. So this morning, as we walk through the Lord's Prayer, I want us to see two major things that should guide our hearts as we pray. If you're taking notes, the Lord's Prayer can be broken into two sections. It can be broken into line by line, but as a whole... When you look at the flow of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, it can be broken into two major sections in that outline. 
The first one is this. The first part of the Lord's Prayer is a vertical prayer of submission. If you're taking notes, jot that down. I know I keep saying that, um, but here's what I know about myself and probably many of you in the room. If you don't write it down, you'll forget it. Amen? I need the outline and I need the, the, the cliff notes right beside it to go, this is what I need to remember as I work my way through this. And I, by lunchtime, I will forget if I don't open back up and have the notes to go, oh yeah, that's what is important right here. The first part of the Lord's Prayer is a vertical prayer of submission. In other words, it is this. We are submitting in this moment to His sovereign rule and reign over all things. In other words, it is about His kingdom and His will, not mine. See, so often when we pray, it is usually this. God, I need you to help me. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And if you could do that by lunch, I'd be great. We rush into his presence like a bunch of spoiled brats, honestly. Can I say that? We, we rush into the Father, the Creator, the Sustainer of heaven and earth who holds all things in His hand, who holds all power, and we forget who we're talking to most of the time. In fact, you can go back into Scripture and Ecclesiastes and other places, and it says, let us not rush into His presence and have all this going on, but let us be slow to speak, Right? Let us remember who it is that we're talking to. He's in heaven and we're not. In other words, he runs this show. And you and I, before we rush into his presence, demanding our ways and giving him our list as if he's Santa Claus or a genie in a bottle that's here to grant our every wish, we need to stop and submit and remember who it is that we're about to open our mouth and speak to. And listen, I, I know I may be stepping on some toes right now, but I've stomped all over mine first. Man, we are so fast-paced. We are so busy. We are the instant streaming, Netflix, microwave, 30-second meal and done generation that we think God operates the same way. We think that we can rush into his presence and when we hadn't talked to him in six months, give him our list, demand our ways, and he should have that done in about 30 seconds. And I want us to remember as we start this, man, it is vital that you and I, as sons and daughters of the one true God, remember who we're talking to. That this is our Father. And so the first part of this Lord's Prayer is all about this vertical prayer of us submitting. Let me give you the definition of this word submit in, or submission in case you're wondering. Submission is the action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another. So when I say that we come to the Lord and we submit to Him, that is what we are doing. We are submitting and yielding our life to Him, to a superior force, a superior Father. And we are submitting to His will and His authority, not our own. 
So prayer begins, if you're taking the first, I keep saying taking notes, but I'm going to keep saying it. The first point is this, prayer, the, the, the Lord's prayer and all prayer should start with this. Prayer begins with submission to the Father. Prayer begins with submission to the Father, and that is exactly how Jesus starts this prayer. Look, verse 9, our Father in heaven. In other words, you're up there. You own it all. You see it all. You made it all. It's all yours. You're my Father, and you're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Our Father, I'm sure when Jesus spoke those words, that was something different, something new that the disciples weren't used to hearing. You see, people all throughout Scripture in the nation of Israel, they had many different names for God to describe His nature and His characteristics. But there in this moment, Jesus is letting us know that not only is God majestic and holy and different, but He is also personal and loving. J.I. Packer says it like this. He says, if you really want to find out how much someone understands Christianity, find out how much they understand and make of the fatherhood of God. Let me say that again. If you really want to find out how, some, how mature someone is or how much they understand this thing called Christianity, then just find out how much they understand about the fatherhood of God. Do they see God as this far-off deity sitting on his big throne waiting to zap them with a lightning bolt? Or do they see a loving, kind, and compassionate father who wants to be near them, who wants to spend time with them, who wants to conversate with them and walk with them daily and ask them, how's your day going? How are things with you? How's that tension and that relationship that you've been trying to manage or navigate or avoid? He wants us to know when he says, our Father, he wants the disciples to know something. God is near. He's not far off. And you can run to him. He says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is kind of a different funny word. I'm sure it's not much one of those words that you use very often. You probably have never used it unless you prayed this prayer. Hallowed is this. It is holy. It is set apart. It is different. In my own words, it is most beautiful and most worthy. So when I come to my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm saying, God, may your name be the most beautiful name in my life. May your name be the most worthy name in all of my life. May your name be high and lifted up. May your name be set apart from every other name in my life, in this world, in creation. Hallowed be your name. It is recognizing that the point of my life is to give all glory to you, Heavenly Father. Life is not about me. It's not about my wish list or giving me everything that I want or ask for. But God, it is about your name, Lord. It is about your renown. So no matter what happens today, may your name be hallowed in my life. May your name be glorified. As a father, this is something that I'm trying to teach my boys all the time is that, listen, you are mine. And guess what? You carry my name. And so I'll ask them, hey, what's your last name? 
Norris. Okay, don't forget it. So when you walk into that classroom today, guess who you represent? Me. You represent me. You represent your mother. You represent your grandfather and your great-grandfather and a long lineage, a long legacy. And so you need to live up to that. People need to look at you when they see the way you're living and the way you're acting. You go, man, that's, that's one of those Norris boys. How much more true is that for us as God's kids? That hallowed be his name. That when we go about our everyday ordinary lives, when we walk into the classroom, when we walk into the boardroom, when we walk into any workplace or any circumstance or any situation, that people would immediately know, oh, that's one of God's kids. His name and his renown is high and it is above everything else in that person's life. They have submitted to the Father's authority in their life. Here's what I'm learning as I go through um, after 20-something years of, of being a Christian. Um, and then also uh, for the last 11 years of being a dad. When I read through Scripture and when I start to really look at uh, what it looks like to have a relationship, a close, personal, intimate relationship with my Heavenly Father, this is what I'm starting to learn it looks a lot like. And I've got a photo right here. It is me. Those are my boys, Brock and Colton. But when I think about our Father in heaven, I think about, man, this is what prayer is. This is me coming under my Father's arms and just allowing Him to be everything I need Him to be. And so as I get down and pray, these prayers, and I submit to my Father, that's what I want it to look like. I want to feel that closeness. I want to feel that intimacy where, I, I know parents in the room can relate to this, like your kids, you know them so well and you're so closely connected with them that you know their every need before they really even ask it, don't you? You can sense it. You, can, you know when something's off. You know what they're coming to you for before they say it. You can look at me. Go ahead. I know what you're, I know what you're about to ask, right? It's no different with God. We come to Him. He's our Father. He wraps us up in His arms, and He takes care of His kids. So the, first, the next point is this. When we submit to the Father, listen. We seek His priorities over our own. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's not mine, it's yours. And so when we come to the Father, we submit to the Father. We seek His priorities over our own. This is all about us surrendering our little plans for his big plans. And here's what I know. When we get our hearts in line with his, because by the way, that's what prayer is really all about, right? God is unwavering. He's unshakable. He's immovable. He is steadfast. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not shift or change. He doesn't change his mind and go a different direction. He is right here. Most of the time, we're the ones over here doing all this. 
So when we get on our prayers and we remember who he is and who we are, it starts to put things back in perspective. When we come to the Father and we submit to him and we depend on him and we get our priorities lined up, that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about us now drawing close to him and reminding ourselves of who he is, that his, it's his kingdom and that it's his will that should be done, not mine. And so it's us, through prayer, aligning our hearts and our priorities with the Father's. And so here's what I know about all of that. When we get our hearts in line with His, He'll take care of all the other stuff. All those little plans that you were worried about, if you push those aside and go, God, I, I want your will. I want your kingdom to come into my life. I want your will to be done in my life. He'll take care of all of that other stuff you were worried about in the first place. You know how I know that? Because if you look at Matthew 6, just probably a page over in your Bible, verse 33, it says this. But first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when I submit and I seek his priorities over my own, Jesus later on in that chapter goes, hey, if you'll just do this and realize it's about his kingdom and his will... Guess, and you'll seek that first and foremost in your life, he'll add all that other stuff to it. In other words, he'll take care of the rest for you. He's got this. So what we need to do is just submit and seek his kingdom and his will over our own. Because here's what I can promise you today, New Beginnings. Guess what? His kingdom's going to last a lot longer than yours. Amen? It just is. Our little kingdom's made of sand, here today, gone tomorrow. All the things that you're worried and anxious and striving, trying to get and hold on to, he's going, man, let go of that. Seek this, this. Here's what, here's what I've seen in my own life. When I get my eyes off of my own little kingdom and my own will, and I start running after the things of God, his kingdom and his will in my life, I get down the road and I go, that wasn't even that big of a deal. Like, I, I don't know why I was so... Um, desperate for that. I don't know why I thought that was so important in my life. Man, this is so much bigger and so much greater. Like all of that stuff is petty and I can let go of it. But God says, even I'll, I'll even take care of all of those things for you and it won't be an issue. So this is where we make a shift in the prayer. I told you there were going to be two parts. We were going to have this first part of submission is the word. The second word I want you to write down is dependence. So if you look at the Lord's Prayer, the first part is all about Him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Second part shifts to us now. The second part of the Lord's Prayer moves us to dependence. Let me just give you this. It's not on the slides, but if you're taking notes, I'd write this down. Dependence is at the heart of prayer. Let me say it again. Dependence is at the heart of prayer. It is us coming to the realization that apart from Him, we can do nothing. If you remember when we started this kingdom series back in the fall, I believe, when it was, we were talking about uh, the, in Matthew 5 where you saw Jesus preaching in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, we, we, we memorize those Beatitudes. Let me see if you still have it, at least the first one. And Jesus said, blessed are the 
poor. Man, blessed are the poor in what? Spirit. What does that mean? It means, man, I, when I come to God, I am broke. As a joke, somebody might say, right? I, don't, I can't rub two pennies together. I am, spiritually speaking, I am broke. I am desperate. When I come to him, I come empty-handed. I, in other words, I have nothing to offer or to trade him to go, hey, God, I'll give you this if you'll do this. Doesn't work that way. We come to him desperate, broke, bankrupt, empty-handed, and needing him to do what only he can do in our life. So when I come to the Father and I come to Him in prayer, that never changes. I am always dependent upon my Father to meet my needs. And that's why Jesus says this. He says, give us today our daily bread. So when we pray, listen, we seek God's provision for our daily needs. When we pray, we seek God's provision for our daily needs. Now, most of us never think this way because let's be honest, most of us don't ever have to wonder where our next meal is coming from. For most of us, our next meal is already in the fridge or at the next drive through And so we're not really physically, desperately in need of him providing our next meal. But this was common language to Jesus' disciples and those that he was teaching back then because listen, a worker was paid daily for their wages, daily, day by day. So if you didn't show up, you didn't eat. If you didn't work, you didn't get paid. So when Jesus said, when you pray, pray this, that to meet our needs, to provide for us, give us this day our daily bread. He was, yes, he was talking to them in their language and he was speaking to them about the things that they knew. But it also goes far beyond that. The point here for us is that we develop this posture of dependence on God and thanksgiving for everything. That phrasing in the Greek is today's bread. It is intentionally short-lived. Remember back in the Old Testament, the manna, the bread from heaven? How long did that last? Daily, right? Don't collect any more than you need for today. Because today's all you got, and if you try to gather more and get greedy and selfish, guess what? It's going to spoil. That's not going to be any good for tomorrow. And so they were immediately going, oh, yeah. You, I remember what you told our ancestors in the desert, in the wilderness. When the bread came from heaven, it was, you have what you need just for today. It may not be all that you want, but it's exactly what you need. And so give us this day our daily bread. So dads, moms. Husbands, wives, students, sons, daughters, you, have any, you can have anything you need in any role you have. Nothing is off limits. So you just got to come to him and ask him, God, give me this day my daily bread. Give me not what I want, but what I need. Meet all of my needs. One of my favorite promises for this is found in Philippians 4, 6, where the Apostle Paul is teaching the young Christians in Philippi and he says this, do not be anxious about anything. Y'all ever been anxious about anything? A little stress, a little worry. Not this last year, right? Y'all, y'all, y'all weren't anxious about anything in 2020, were you? The beginning of 2021. Now it's anxious about the vaccine and anxious about what's it going to look like? How, what's going to happen? Right? Paul says, don't be, right? 
Don't be anxious about anything, but listen, but in everything, in what? I, 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 need, I need some answer right there. But in what? Everything. I need to make sure you're awake, following along. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, listen, let your request be made known to God. Guess what my kids do when they need something? They ask. They don't come in and go, Oh, Father, I beseech thee, and I'm asking thee if you might consider this. Or No, they don't care who's around, what's going on. They don't think of the words and the way that they ask. They just come to me and say, Dad, man, here's what I need. And I know you're my dad, and I know you can meet those needs. I know you can provide for me, so I'm asking you, will you give me this daily bread? Will you give me what I need? And so we need to approach God the same way in everything, whatever it is, at all times, come to him and ask. He says, you have not because you ask not, right? So we need to be the people of God that aren't afraid to run to the Father and go, God, this is what I need. I need you to meet this need for me because you're the only way this is going to happen. So here's here's a good rule for you. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And you can pray about it. If it matters to you, it matters to God because you're his kids, if you're his kids. And you can pray about it. You can ask your father about it. Here's what I know. If, my, if it matters to my boys, guess what? It matters to me. I'm not going to go, that's ridiculous. Get a, I, don't even ever bring that to, don't ever bring that to me again. You shouldn't want that. You shouldn't need that. Now, there's some things, granted, as parents that we're like, no, you're not getting that. (laughs) That's not good for you. And God will tell you the same thing. No, that's not what's best for you. Matthew 7, 9 through 11, here's how I can back that up with the word of God, not just my opinion. Because my opinion doesn't count for anything. Here's what it says. Here's what Jesus says. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your perfect, holy, heavenly Father, who knows all things, give good things to those who ask Him? I added in a bunch of descriptive words there, by the way. How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? In other words, if you earthly fathers who are sinful and broken and evil know how to give good gifts to your kids and to take care of them and to provide for them and to meet their needs, how much more will your perfect heavenly father give you if you ask, give to those who ask, right? How much more is he going to give you and provide for you and meet your needs? The next point is this, when we pray, we seek God's pardon for our sins. So Jesus is telling us to ask for provision for our daily needs. And then he says, hey, you need to also seek God's pardon for your sins. That's where he says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is that part of our prayers that most of us like to skip over, right? You can say right. Be honest. This is that part where it's like, oh, man, like, I don't, I don't want to go there right now. That's a little... That's still a little sore. That's a little tender. That's a little too real. 
a little too authentic or transparent. Uh, I, don't, I can't really think of any sins in my life, God. That's that part of our prayers that we like to skip over or, like I said, act like we can't think of anything that we need forgiveness for. Don't act like that. Don't skip over it. Let me tell you why. Confession is an important part of our lives because it helps clear out the sin so that it isn't growing and spreading in us. You heard Pastor Matt while I go in this prayer say, man, let us strip away. Let us lay aside. Let us get rid of anything. The sin that so easily entangles us, right? That weighs us down, that holds us back. So what is this when we pray this prayer, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why do we need to do that if when we place our faith in Christ, we are forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future? Because guess what? Sin still wants to wrap itself around us. It wants to grip us. It wants to hold us down. It wants to weigh us down. It wants to keep us from running the race that God has set before us. It wants to keep us from being all that we were created to be. So here's what I know. The devil, he, he, may, have, he may have lost the final battle, right? But if he can slow you down and tangle and trip you up, that's what he's going to do. And so Jesus is saying every day, even though you are forgiven, you still have daily debts that are accruing and those debts are going to weigh you down. They're going to tangle you up. They're going to trip you up. They're going to slow you down and they're going to keep you from becoming all that I have planned for you. You see that word debt, the reason he uses debts and we, we had the trespasses and all that, right? we're going to talk about debts. In their language, debts was common. And here's the thing, if you owed a debt, guess what? you were usually locked up in jail until you could pay that debt. And so he's saying sin will lock you up daily if you let it. You need to be debt free. And you need to also then forgive those who owe you a debt so that our relationship is right and it's not, there's nothing slowing this down. And sin and debt keeps distance between us. It causes separation between us and God and us and others. And so Jesus is saying, when you say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he's saying, you need to strip away the sin and the debts that are keeping you from being close to me. And you need to do the same with others. If there's something going on with you and others, you need to confess and you need to forgive because you don't want any distance or anything to come between you and others. Love God and love people. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, here's what I know. When we confess and when we ask forgiveness, sin loses its power when it is exposed. In other words, when it's called out into the light, it loses its power. We call it out of the darkness and into the light. So Scripture tells us that we should confess our sins first to God and then to others where we need it because confession strips sin of its power. Listen what 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5, 16, Therefore, let us confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to seek God's pardon for our sins. And the last point is this, when we seek, when we pray, we seek God's power to overcome temptation. Verse 13, and in Matthew 7, 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
And, and in, here's a different translation. New Living says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the one I find myself praying a lot for me, for my wife, for my kids, for our church staff, for our church body, because here's what I know. I know that all of us, if left to ourselves, we will easily be led astray. You say, how do you know that? Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. He says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, your heart has a tendency to do this, to drift away. Its bend is towards brokenness and rebellion. And if left on its own, it will always lead you down that path. 1 Corinthians, here's a great promise, 10, 13, says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, listen, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand under it. No one is exempt from falling into temptation. Listen, we are all one dumb decision away from falling. Did you know that? We are all right here like this on a daily basis. I almost fell. We're, we're right there every day that you walk up. I don't care who you are. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care whether you're a construction worker or a pastor. Every single one of us are always right here. One step away, one dumb decision away from falling into sin. And that's why every single day, we need to seek God's power to overcome temptation that we might not fall off the cliff. So church, here's what I, here's what I know. I could stand up here all day long and try to teach you about prayer and talk to you about prayer and tell you all the ways that you should pray and give you a nice little outline and a nice guide I could do all of those things and, and eventually you would go, okay, that's some good information. Here's what I know. It's like riding a bike. The only, I could sit here and try to tell you how to ride a bike and the only way you're ever going to ride a bike is to get on the bike. Start pedaling. You might be a little wobbly at first. It may feel a little different. It may feel a little abnormal to you if you if you haven't ever done it or if you haven't done it in a long time. But eventually, it'll click. You'll start pedaling. You'll start smiling. You'll have that wind in your hair and in your face, and you'll start to experience great joy and great pleasure as you ride down the road. Prayer is no different. You got to start. You just got to get on the bike, and you got to start pedaling. It may be a little wobbly at first, but here's what I know. Eventually, it'll start to click. And it should feel, it'll start to feel as normal and natural as it is for my boys to walk up and put their arms around me and not say a word, but just experience that closeness with their father where they know that I'm there. I know their every need. And I still want to have conversations and I still want them to ask. But the greatest thing is just that right there. Man, this intimacy this closeness, this relationship that we have, that we know one another like that. 
So here's what I want us to do, church. I want us to pray for a few moments as the band leads us. For some of you, you may be going, man, I, I can't submit to God and I can't be dependent upon God because I've never said the first prayer. I've never asked Him to be my Father. I've never asked Him to save me. I've never joined the family, if you will. And so you're still just kind of an orphan over here. And so here's what I want to do. As they play in a few moments, if that's you, man, I'm going to be at the altar. I know some of our other staff may be at the altar. I'm just going to ask you to join me in prayer or at the end of the service, find me. And let's have that conversation. Man, how do I take that first step? How do I ask Jesus to be Lord of my life? For the rest of us, church family, here's what I know. Some of you right now, as I mentioned some of those things, whether it's provision, whether it's pardon for sins, or whether it's power, some of you today, you need to come and you need to kneel. You need to kneel at your chair. You need to take a few moments and, and go before the Lord. Submit to His rule and reign over your life. And you need to come to Him with all of your needs and just ask. You need to say, God, here's what I'm asking for. Here's what I need. I need you to provide for me in this circumstance or in this situation. For others, it may be that you need to come and you need to just lay it all out there and say, God, this is my debt. This is my sin. This is my struggle. And it keeps tripping me up. And I am sick and tired of it, of it slowing me down and tripping me up. Maybe there's someone in this room that your relationship is distant because you have some, they owe debts to you and you owe debts to them. There is some sin that is separating your relationship with them. And it says, let us confess our sins to one another that we might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is a powerful thing. And so maybe it's today's the day that you get those relationships right and that you understand that that is what God is asking you to do. And for some of us, we may need to come before the altar and say, God, I, I need the power of your Holy Spirit in my life to keep me from falling into temptation. I need your Spirit, God, to strengthen me, to give me the way out, to help me not fall in and not be overcome by sin anymore. I need to be set free from that debt. And so today you need to ask God, to give you the power through His Spirit that you need so that you don't fall into temptation. So let's pray as they lead us, and you can join me down here if you'd like. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the way that you love us. God, thank you for the way that you provide for our every need. God, thank you for the way that you forgive all of our sins. God, thank you for the way that you empower us to live the life that you've called us to live. God, I pray for my friends in this room that they would run to you today as their father, that they would submit to your fatherhood, to your rule, to your reign in their life, and that they would come to you with every one of their needs knowing that you're a good father and that you will meet them right where they're at. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.